I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Good morning, Kingstown Communion. My name is Betty Lynn Sprinkle. Our scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I was, I was driving on the interstate the other day and there was a car that changed lanes in front of me. And I noticed that, uh, that it had a, a bumper sticker and it read, start seeing motorcycles. And I thought to myself, what a funny way to say that, start seeing motorcycles. I, I didn't know that I wasn't seeing motorcycles. And then I realized that, that was precisely the point. How do I begin to see something I didn't know I was even missing? How? Today we're in the ninth chapter of Mark's gospel and it's like we're at a crossroads. Did, did you hear it? God's kingdom is on the march and Jesus and his disciples have gone back to Galilee 
much like we're moving back into a school. Galilee was like the biblical code word for like their base camp, their headquarters, the place where it all branches out, the place where it all began. Galilee means home, where significant family meetings are held and where long range plans are hammered out. When Jesus and his disciples go to Galilee, much like, like when we regather this time at Hayfield, serious business is at hand. Jesus gathers his disciples around a table and he wants to teach them about, about the kingdom of God, about how to recognize it in their midst and how to receive it for themselves. And his teaching is revolutionary. Even for that day and time, you, you want to be great? Jesus asks his hair-splitting disciples and heads nod around the room. Yes, Jesus, we do. Oh, okay, he says. Let me show you the meaning of greatness. And then, and then Jesus takes a small child and puts, puts him in the, in the middle of them, in their midst, and says, here, look, this is greatness. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. These are risky words. This is risky business. Mouths drop open around Jesus. Chairs crash to the floor, stunned silence. In, in the history of education, there has never been a more shocking grab you by the throat and turn the world inside out kind of teaching technique. A child as a metaphor for greatness, as the medium through which Christ is revealed. In an instant, everything the disciples thought they knew about Jesus and the meaning of faithfulness is, is flipped upside down for them. A geology professor may as well have, have told her students the world is indeed flat. Or a finance professor may as well have said the key to lasting wealth is to give all your money away. The weatherman calling for snow in September or, or, or Trump tweeting a friendly selfie with Joe Biden would be more believable than this. The thing is, though, in our culture, we love children. We indulge them. We indulge their dreams in all possible ways. Our, our social conventions has, have exalted child, childhood as a privileged time of innocence. And we see our kids as our most prized possessions, the vehicles for our own hopes and aspirations. And that's why the shock value and risk of this story is lost. It's hard for us to appreciate it. It's lost on us. The child in ancient Galilee was a nobody, a, a non-person. Children would never have been hanging around the famed teacher and his students, who happened to all be men. To insist that receiving a child might have some value for adults in this time, particularly adult men, is, is almost inconceivable. It wasn't just that children were to be seen and not heard. They were to not be seen at all. They were to be non-existent, utterly invisible. And Jesus places the child in the midst of the table and says, look at this child, whoever welcomes one of these invisible ones welcomes me. And Jesus says, and the child is not merely a child, 
but a metaphor in the hands of, of a master teacher, a metaphor for every person we miss in our outrageous ambition to be first. Every person who finds themselves in, in last place in life. Every person who is invisible. Throughout Mark's gospel, Jesus makes a habit of taking people who are otherwise invisible and making them visible, especially children. In chapter 5, to the amazement of the crowds, he, he brings back a nameless little girl from the dead. In chapter 7, he, he casts out a demon from a Syrophoenician woman's daughter. We read that. In, in chapter 9, Jesus heals a little boy of an unclean spirit. Jesus himself has, has an invisible childhood even. The, the Gospels tell us virtually nothing about it. And now Jesus says, anyone who welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me. If you want to encounter Jesus, you will find him in the disguise of someone who is otherwise invisible. A friend of mine from seminary left mid-degree for a, a theological exchange program in South, South Africa. And she, she once shared with me this word, this South African concept that she came to love called Ubuntu. Ubuntu means, I see you. Here in the United States, when we greet each other in our culture, we say, how are you? And nine times out of ten, right, the answer is fine. And at least three times out of those nine times, fine is a complete fabrication of how we actually are. But in South Africa, they greet one another with this word, Ubuntu, which means I see you. In other words, I recognize you as a human being. I see that you matter. I see that you are not invisible. I see that you too are created in the image of God. A few weeks ago, I had coffee with someone who was, was connected to our church kind of nominally. Someone I thought was incredibly well-connected and well-respected, and yet they nervously shared with me, started the conversation even. I feel like I'm invisible, Michelle. But like if I disappeared, I'm not sure anyone would even notice. Believe it or not, the DC metro area, the suburban landscape of Alexandria can be a tough place to feel seen, and an easy place to feel invisible when it seems everyone is competing to be visible. And, and life outside and on the edges of this area is not so, so different either, right? There are invisible people all around us, people in nursing homes, people picking crops in, in the blazing sun, people who clean our schools, people who stock our shelves, the, the 2.1 million people in the U.S. locked up behind bars. The 12 million children living in poverty, shadows, numbers, people, all invisible, all Jesus in disguise. When Jesus gathers with his disciples around the table, he gets into some risky business, turning the world upside down. From the moment the disciples leave the table, the base camp in Galilee, everything will be different. The first shall be last, the last shall shall be the greatest. The invisible will become visible. 
This is why we as Christians celebrate Holy Communion. This is why our church is named the Kingstown Communion because it is in gathering around the table that we learn to see more clearly, that we learn to see and be seen around the table in the bread and in the wine and the hymns that we sing and in, in the presence of one another, Jesus becomes visible. My, my first year in this area, I was invited to participate in a Habitat for Humanity build. I think it was in Arlington. And we worked together on building a house for a father and his two children who had recently lost their, their wife and their mother. And at the end of the week, we gathered those of us who participated in the build and the family to, to say our goodbyes. We laughed together and prayed together and shared some Subway sandwiches together. And then just before we were to head out, uh, the youngest boy in the family climbs up on the backyard picnic table we had put together so he could get get our attention and with his eyes brimming with tears he spoke eloquently about our our daily lunch time together and about how much it meant to him and about how thankful he was that that we were now his friends and i was standing between between these two volunteers N none of the three of us could hold back tears And one of them whispered, Jesus. And I replied, Jesus, Jesus indeed. I offer this to you in the name of God the Father and the name of Christ his Son. In the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you <laughs> as people a part of a culture and an area where it is easy to feel invisible as we are all striving to be visible. We remember right now those in our lives and in corners of our area of our, our area of Alexandria and, uh, and all those, God, in, in prisons, ch children in poverty, people working in schools, doctors and nurses working long hours in hospitals with, with, with beds filled. God, all the places and people who right now feel a bit invisible. And we, God, we know that you see them. But still this, this question lingers with us. How do you see that which you don't even know you don't see? God, we have not become aware of what we don't see and we need you for that. God, open our eyes to what you see, to who, who you see, and to how you are calling us, God. God, each of us here 
in our own way, whether or not we admit it even with our, our lips or with our hearts, each of us in some area feels a bit invisible. And each of us, because we are human, it's a part of human existence to want to be visible, to have a space of our own, to feel valued and loved, to have worth for who we are. God, it's only by your spirit and in Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we find our worth and we know who we are. We join with you, Jesus, in that prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you now to use this time for reflection, for prayer, and use this as a time to respond to God with your prayers and also your gifts, your gifts of, of, of confession, your gifts of letting go this morning, your gifts of saying, God, see me or God, teach me who I am to see, as well as your gifts to our church, which we are so grateful for.